Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we started recording episodes virtually instead of being in the same room together. This created technical issues for us for many weeks. Our sound issues get better beginning with the pros and cons episode. In the meantime, we appreciate your patience with the sound issues that are present in this episode. Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and Me. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. Yay. Okay, so this is a big episode. I'm just going to say it. We've been talking about radical acceptance for I don't know how long. We should figure out how many years we've been doing this at some point, like, so we actually know. Well, not even just how many years we've been teaching DBT, but like... Since I was thinking, like, the early episodes of the podcast. Oh. <laughs> like, we've been dropping it along the way of, like, and then there's this go called Radical Acceptance, and we're going to talk about it, and da 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 And today's that day. Um, because... We've been nervous about it since the beginning of the podcast. We have been nervous about it, and we get nervous <laughs> when we teach this class in person, too, because... It's true. Like, I don't know. I feel like when people are aware of what DBT is, and if you ask people, like, name like three dbt skills people are probably going to say wise mind and radical acceptance and i don't know what else they would say for the dear third man is the one I heard all the time. yeah dear man is a big one in the interpersonal effectiveness module <laughs> excuse me so radical acceptance is a pivotal big dbt skill and arguably in kate and i's opinion this is one of the hardest if not the hardest skills to do kind of like wise mind where it's like we talk a lot about what it is and then we give some direction of how to do it radical acceptance is a little bit of that (laughs) it's you know it's this it's this skill that like even when you know what it is it's still really hard to practice it and to do it so teaching it is kind of challenging in that way because we can talk a lot about what it is and will and we will talk a lot about what it is today (laughs) yeah exactly um and practicing it is hard it's lifelong work to practice this skill it does not come easily so to start off today we're basically each going to tell a story of how radical acceptance is something that has shown up in our own lives and how we've used it personally And then that will help as we get into actually teaching it and explaining what it is. And this is how you can do it and that kind of a thing. We'll reference back to our stories and hopefully that will make it a little easier to understand when you have some real world context (laughs) of how this has shown up for us personally. So you want to get it going, Kate? (coughs) Never. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's see. It's funny, I think I tell the same story almost every time, and I'm never sure exactly where to start. Um, 
I have wanted kids since I was three years old. Um, and I, I knew it. I remember a mom letting me hold the bottle for her baby, like in the YMCA changing room when I was a three-year-old. And I was like, yes, this. Um, like, and it has never wavered since. I've always wanted children. Um, so it was a monumental shock and a monumental personal wound, personal trauma of sorts to find out Oh my gosh, I lose track of time too. I want to say four years ago, four or five years ago, um, that it, I, I'm, I'm sterile. I'm, uh, infertile. Um, actually the form that that took is that I am in, uh, premature menopause. Uh, started going through that at 32. So I guess that would be four years ago. Um, so yeah, I have, oh man, what do they call it? Uh, idiopathic premature ovarian failure. Um, was the technical term, which means they have no idea why, but my uh, ovaries are not doing the thing. Uh, they have their fingers in their ears and they're going la 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 when my body is shouting at them hormonally to make with the eggs, um, and they simply do not. So, um, I am never going to have children by natural biological means. Um, and I don't know that I have ever gone through as intensive grief as I did after finding that out. Um, there was an amount of denial leading up to it. Um, I had had stretches of months with no period, and I was just like, no, nah, I don't know, that's weird, but like, let's not talk about or look at that at all, because then I have to actually, you know, look at it. So maybe if I just don't look at it, my body will go back to doing its thing, and all will be well. Turns out it didn't work that way. Um, so yeah, I felt an enormous amount of grief and it, like betrayed by my body. Um, I just all sorts of things. I mean, I, I could probably sit here for an hour talking about all the different feelings involved, but um, the long and the short of it was that I had to move through a process that did certainly include an amount of denial. Um, almost, you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a therapist and I don't know all the exact stages of grief without having to think really hard about it, but uh, I know there's bargaining and denial and anger and all sorts of other things in there, but in the end, this is what is. This is what's true. This is this is reality. Um, if, well, I mean not if, since I still want children, if I'm ever going to have them, I'm gonna have to look outside of the traditional means. Um, that can look like adoption, that can look like fostering, that can look like artificial insemination with a donor egg, um, that could look like um, I've forgotten the word for it, where someone else carries a baby for you. Surrogacy. Thank you. Um, surrogacy. Right, there, there are other ways to get children into your life, but, like, I couldn't really engage with investigating those pro those things. You know, how much do they cost? How hard is it to do? What are the legal stuff? What are the ramifications? Blah, 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 blah. Um, like, I wouldn't have been able to engage with those possibilities in any meaningful way until and or unless, I think I have, but, you know, for a while it wasn't until. <laughs> I, you know, I faced reality and accepted it for what it was. Um, because as long as I held on to the, well, maybe, you know, maybe it'll change. I don't know what caused in the first place, so maybe I'll go back. Or maybe I'll be one of that tiny little sliver of people who are, uh, you know, infertile. Well, not just infertile, sterile. I hate using that word still battle against that one a little bit, I guess. Uh, but it's the technically correct one. I am not infertile, I am sterile. 
Um, and yeah, if I don't look at that, I can't make new plans. I can't move forward uh, with other, I guess, solutions. So that that I guess is a thing for me. If I didn't if I didn't engage with that reality as it was, I could never make a new reality that could get me what I wanted or needed from life. So yeah, that's my story. Yeah, thanks. Um. For me, um, I typically tell one of two stories and group. I know, I'm um, wondering which one it is today. Yeah, well, today I'm going to tell the dance story. Okay. Um, so I've mentioned a couple times on the podcast, I think at various points in times, that I was a ballet dancer when I was younger. And for those of you who probably don't know much about the dance world, especially in particular with ballet, it's a very intense all-consuming world um it is not all fun and games (laughs) it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of time and i started dancing when i was four years old i saw an episode of the nutcracker on tv like my mom was trying to do some christmas decorating and just wanted me out of her hair and so she found the nutcracker on tv and she sat me down in front of it and then a little while later she realized i was being really 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 quiet And so she came in to check on me and I was just transfixed. And the words that I said to her were, I want to do that. And I just, from the time I was four, I just, I wanted to be a dancer. And I pursued it wholeheartedly. I started off dancing at my local dance studio, you know, twice a week-ish. And then by the time I was 10... I progressed to Pacific Northwest Ballet School, which is the major ballet school here in the Seattle area. And Pacific Northwest Ballet is, I would say, in the top five best ballet companies in the country. So I started dancing at Pacific Northwest Ballet School. I'll call it PNB for short. And um, from the time I was 10 until the time I was about 16, I just started dancing more and more until I was dancing six days a week. And it was my whole life. And that was what I wanted to do professionally. That's how I wanted to make my living. I wanted to get hired by a ballet company and be a ballet dancer full time. And it's a very competitive world. Not many people get to that point, but I was determined to get there. And so I can't remember exactly when or how it started, but at a certain point I started having pain in my left hip. Like every time I would, it's hard to explain in dance terms, but basically every time I would like kick my leg to the side, I noticed it would kind of like pop a little bit when I would bring my leg down and it, and it didn't feel very good and it hurt. And also injuries were part of the territory with dance you know most dancers have an injury at some point in their career and for better or for worse most dancers keep dancing through injuries and that's what I did I danced with my hip hurting and starting to progressively hurt more and more during different types of movement Um, for about six months and then I went away to a summer program this is a very common thing in the ballet world where you go to a summer program for anywhere from like three to five weeks typically and I mean you're dancing eight hours a day and it's very intense and so I was at a summer program and dancing all day every day and it got to the point where I couldn't really deny it anymore Um, I didn't really even say anything to my parents until my mom noticed that I wasn't walking right. 
she noticed I was kind of starting to limp when I walked and she finally was like are you okay because <laughs> I just I had not wanted to say anything look at it acknowledge it I didn't want to face that I was in pain and something was wrong I just wanted to dance and so once my mom noticed something was wrong that got the ball rolling on starting physical therapy going to different specialists to see what was going on and after a few months of physical therapy that I had been following pretty rigorously I can't remember what they even said they thought it was um, just like type tight hip flexors or something like that maybe my physical therapist basically had a frank conversation with me one day in which she said I think that you've torn the cartilage around your hip socket and I the only way that that can be fixed is if you have surgery and you would be getting better by now and you're and you're not even though you're doing your exercises and you're regularly attending physical therapy like we're not seeing any improvement and I really think you need to go get an MRI done and to see if that's what this is and so I went and got an MRI and sure enough that's what it was um, thankfully it wasn't a significant labral tear is what it's called it was very minor but it was still something that could only be repaired by having surgery so I had a surgery done um, in 2006 um, that was right before my um, senior year of high school and basically I had this surgery done and I was still hell-bent and determined to become a professional ballet dancer right this was just a bump in the road every dancer has injuries I was gonna bounce back I was gonna return to classes like normal and I was still gonna pursue my dream that's the mindset that I was in and it became more and more clear as I started to take classes again um, and I was probably taking classes maybe three times a week, which at that time was half as much as I had been. So it made me sound like a lot, but it really wasn't <laughs> to me at the time. Um, but as I started to, you know, start taking classes more and more, uh, my hip, like I just wasn't able to do what I used to be able to do. And my hip was still not very good. Um, and basically what wound up happening was two years after that, I had to have another surgery because I I basically torn the labrum again and they realized that there was something structurally with my hip socket that was going to cause the cartilage to basically keep tearing so they had to shave down my hip bone all these other things it was a more intense surgery the second time around but basically after that surgery I had to accept that dance was not going to be in the cards for me anymore I couldn't pursue that as a career there was just no way for me to, I'd lost too much time compared to my peers. And it was, again, like my senior year of high school, I had to make a decision about what I was gonna do. And if I had had my way, I wanted to go into a company right off the bat, a ballet company. And instead, I had to start looking at what else I could do with my life. What were my other options I could explore? What else did I like doing, which I had no idea. <laughs> none dance was my whole world I didn't know what else I liked to do I didn't know what else I was good at and if I had not come to this place of radical acceptance within myself that I needed to pick a different career path well I'll be perfectly frank I wouldn't be recording this podcast today <laughs> like I went to become a therapist I would have kept 
trying to pursue dance. I would have just doggedly like kept going with it of like, no, I'm going to do this. And a little bit of a fun fact, two years ago, I had to actually have a third surgery, which that one went much better than the first two. And I'm doing better now than I ever have with my hip in the past 10 plus years. But if I had continued trying to dance, I feel pretty confident I would have had at least one more surgery <laughs> far earlier than this one I just had two years ago. Um, and my whole life would be different. And trying to continue to pursue something that my body was clearly telling me, you can't do this anymore, would have just wound up doing more harm than good. So it was really hard for me to get to a place of accepting the situation for what it was. I didn't accept it after the first hip surgery. That was for damn sure. I didn't accept at first that my hip was hurting as much as it was because I didn't tell anybody. I didn't accept that I wasn't going to be able to dance after the first hip surgery. It took two surgeries for me to finally realize like, okay, dancing professionally is not something I'm going to be able to do. So it took me a long time to get there. But once I got there, like I said a little bit already, then it allowed me to see what else there was for me to do for a career. And that's when I thought to myself, well, I've always been, I've always liked listening to my friends and helping my friends. <laughs> Maybe I'll become a therapist and ta-da, <laughs> here we are. Um, so yeah, that that's my story with radical acceptance. Um, you know, was just accepting that I that I couldn't dance anymore in the way I used to. And actually, I have not taken a ballet class since my second hip surgery. Um, I have done other types of dance here and there. I think I've also mentioned on the podcast, I love doing my Zumba class. That's <laughs> dancing. But doing a ballet class, I, I haven't done. And I'd like to be able to do that at some point in the future, especially after my recent surgery, I think think I'm at a place where I could probably modify it and do it um but dancing professionally I, I had to give that dream up so yeah okay <laughs> thanks Katie right, so now that we've talked about doing it what is this radical acceptance nonsense? yeah what are we talking about right <laughs> uh so I want to talk a little bit about what it is and also I think at least as importantly what it isn't um so, and actually, I'm going to do that in opposite order. I'm going to talk about what it isn't first. So, what radical acceptance is not. It is not approval. It is not passivity. It is not having, like, a sense of compassion for things. It's not saying, it's not against changing, right? Radical acceptance doesn't mean giving up or giving in um, or not trying to change a situation. Right, so I think a lot of people here at Radical Acceptance are like, oh, well, I guess I just, you know, have to give a thumbs up to absolutely everything that goes on in my life. Like, no, no, that is not the idea of what, of what Radical Acceptance is. I think that's a, one of those pitfalls of things that people might think it is, and also a sort of straw man of a way to argue against doing Radical Acceptance. Um, so be wary <laughs> in yourself. If you find yourself thinking about it in those terms, because it's not. Uh, you can absolutely pra practice radical acceptance while still fighting for change, while being very active in your life and in that situation, and while not approving, you know, liking <laughs> the situation in the slightest. So just sort of be be aware of those, those things, I would say. Um, so what 
is it, though? So, I like this. Um, they say, uh, the DBT handouts say that the radical part of radical acceptance means all the way, right? Complete and total acceptance. Uh, so that means accepting things in your mind, in your heart, in your body. Um, it's about not fighting reality. Not throwing tantrums because reality isn't the way you want it. Um, and if at all possible, it's also about letting go of bitterness around it. Um, you know, there's, I don't know, reality doesn't, <laughs> sounds really cold. I don't know. Reality doesn't care <laughs> if we accept it or not. It just is. It's doing its thing, right? I can tell you, see, I'm relating back to our stories. I promise you that my ovaries and Michelle's hip don't give a shit what our opinions are on this subject. There's <laughs> no, well, I don't like it that my ovaries don't work, so, like, get on board, right? Like, there's no, there's no real way for our opinions to, in that sense, just impact reality. We cannot wish our way into a different reality. Um... And so we have to face and work with reality in order to make changes. Um, I don't know. Um, one of the things that I like to say when we're teaching this class in person a lot of the times is, you know, if you refuse to believe that a door is a door, you're going to have an awfully hard time leaving this room, right? Like you can't, you can't interact with a thing in a useful and meaningful fashion until you look at it and accept it for what it is, right? Once I look at the door and accept it as a door and believe that it's a door, well, now I can use it as a door. Right? Or I can take it off its hinges and turn it into something else entirely. Right? Like, I, can, I can do what I want once I am interacting with it as the thing that it is. Um, and that, I think, is, is the thing. You know, rather than passivity and, and, and sort of rolling over and just taking it, I think that radical acceptance is really a path towards effective action. Um, it's very hard to engage in effective action when we, we, we don't when we're denying reality when we're fighting it um, uh, when a DBT talks a little about like what what things have to be accepted um, so uh, the top one pretty simplistic uh, reality is as it is a little bit tautological there but uh, facts are facts whether you like it or not past and the present are what they are and that just is <laughs> your, your opinions none uh, you know, notwithstanding. Uh, also, the limitations, that there are limitations on the future for everyone. Um, but, of course, this is only, you know, look at realistic limitations um, need to be accepted, not not sort of fantastical limitations or our, or our fears. Um, realistic limitations. Um, I am too tall to be a, jo a jockey. There's nothing else I could do in the world to make myself short enough to be a horse jockey. It's just not happening. It's not in the cards for me. That is a realistic expectation or limitation that I would have to accept except if my my lifelong dream was to be a professional jockey as I approach 58 I'm effed like there's just no that's not happening it's not a thing I probably also think I'm too short for I like to height because it's a really hard physical thing to change uh, <laughs> um, so right there are limitations on the future that's another thing that we have to accept um, everything has a cause, uh, including events and situations that cause us pain and suffering. Um, I think Michelle and I could have a lively debate on the idea of things happening for a reason. Um, but the things happen because of a cause is undebatable, right? Yep. Something <laughs> led to the 
the thing, whatever the thing is. I mean, hey, actually, I love this. I'm just going to keep talking about my story all day. Hey, Michelle, is that okay with you? Yes. Um, <laughs> idiopathic. That word in my diagnosis about my ovaries means that the doctors took all sorts of blood tests and they actually did genetic and chromosomal testing on me. I mean, all sorts of shit. Uh, and they have no idea. Um, so it could be tempting to be like, there's no cause. No, there is a cause. We just can't figure it out. There is some reason my ovaries are not doing their thing. I don't know what it is, but there's still a cause for it, right? There can be this temptation to look at events in life, especially ones that cause us pain and suffering, and just be like, why me? There's no reason. There's nothing for this. No, nothing caused this. This came out of nowhere. We may not know. We may never know what the cause is. But everything has a cause. Every feeling has a cause. Every situation has a cause. Um, so that's another thing that has to be accepted. And last but not least, uh, life can be worth living even with painful events in it. Um, yeah, not can be. Is? I don't like their wording. Mm, yeah, um, life is worth living. <laughs> I like that a lot better. Right? All right. So I said, like, yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Here, we are just talking about, I don't know, painful events. Um, if you've been tuning into this podcast for long enough, you've heard me talk about a lot of the various, you know, traumas and stuff from my past. Um, it's not just that life can be worth living, uh, even with painful events. Um, I would bare minimum upgrade that to life is worth living, even with painful events. Um, uh, but my personal philosophy would be to say life has to be worth living, mm -hmm. even with painful events in it, because I have yet to meet the human being that has not gone through painful events. Now, there's a broad spectrum of painful events. Not all painful events are created equal. But everyone's life has pain in it. So my, my personal philosophy would be to upgrade that all the way from can to has to be. Mm. <laughs> worth living even with painful events. We, can't, we cannot simply say things hurt so life isn't worth living. Right? So those are kind of the, the categories of things that DBT says need to be accepted. You know, reality is what it is. There are limitations on everyone's future. Everything has a cause and life is worth living even with painful events. Mm -hmm. um, and all those things have to be accepted all of the way. Mm -hmm. You can't fight those things. There's no Fighting those things is going to be a little bit like fighting a brick wall. <laughs> you're going to lose and you're going to hurt and exhaust yourself in the process. Um, so I think I'm sure I'll have other thoughts later. Do you have anything on those particular things, Michelle, before you go into the uh, your next section on the why? <laughs> why why do we need to accept reality? Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing that I want to hone in on especially, which sometimes admittedly I feel like we can gloss over this part in groups sometimes because we're cramming a lot more into groups <laughs> than we are in a podcast episode. We can talk for as long as we want. So I really want to hone in on the, <laughs> what'd you say? That's dangerous that we can talk for as long as we want. <laughs> it is a little bit dangerous. Um, yeah. And I really want to hone in on this radical piece of radical acceptance because you know, Kate said it first and foremost, and this is how it's said in the DBT materials, that like radical means all the way complete and total. And maybe you can see parts in your story, Kate. I can see them in mine pretty clearly where I was accepting and I was not radically accepting especially yet, yes. especially early on. I could accept that I had a hip injury and that even took me a while to get there, but I could accept uh, that. Uh. What I couldn't accept was the possibility that I wouldn't be able to become a professional dancer. 
And the radical part for me of radical acceptance came where, you know, and again, it says this also, when I stopped fighting reality. I wasn't ready to stop fighting reality at first. I was like, okay, I'm hurt. All right, I'll get the surgery. I'll come back. I'll be okay. I accept that something is wrong with my hip. But I wasn't ready to accept the full thing yet. And so radical acceptance isn't just saying, you know, radical acceptance is different than check the facts. These are different skills, right? Check the facts is like, oh, okay, I look at the facts and yes, I have a hip injury. Okay. <laughs> but radical acceptance is this deeper understanding of, you know, yeah, seizing from trying to fit something into a box that just isn't going to fit, of seizing trying to have control over something that you don't have control over, maybe. <laughs> like, you know, it really is this letting go. And you put it really well. Um, and I don't think I'm going to get your words exactly right. But when you were like, we have to radically accept in order to then, like, be effective? Or you said something like yeah, that. it's really hard to engage in effective action without yes. accepting. Yeah, yeah. When we're not radically accepting something, we're going to be paralyzed or stuck in place to some degree or another of thinking like this is how it's going to be even if okay yeah 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 I see that part there but this is how it's going to be and when we start radically accepting we're like I gotta throw it all out the window <laughs> and that's way harder yeah yep okay cool are we ready to get into why we ought to do this <laughs> I'll get into it. Yeah, this is my part. So, <laughs> DBT lists seven reasons for why we ought to accept reality. Um, so, I'm going to touch on seven reasons. Um, and they're pretty compelling, if I got to be honest with you. Um, but I'll talk about each one a little bit. And then, um, Kate, I'll have you yeah, add on anything extra that you want to add in. Um, so the first reason why accepting reality is important is because rejecting reality does not change reality. And I think Kate already emphasized this really nicely. Um, Kate could, you know, deny <laughs> that she was going into menopause early and all these things. And that's not going to change reality that her body will not do what needs to be done to produce a child naturally. Nope. It's not going to change that. That's still going to be there, even if, you know, Kate would decide to not look at it. For example, so rejecting reality doesn't change it. Um, and I really like number two. Honestly, it's probably my favorite out of these seven, which is what we were just talking about, kind of with the door thing of like changing reality requires first accepting reality. We can't make any changes unless we first accept what's actually happening in front of us. The I could door. the door, yeah. I could not make the decision to pursue becoming a therapist if I did not first give up. The de like the decision to want to pursue dance professionally. I had to accept that I could not do that in order to make a change and find what I could do. Um, and that's why I kind of use those terms like stuck and paralyzed just a moment ago because if we don't accept reality, it's really hard to change and move forward. <laughs> um, the third reason is pain can't be avoided. It is nature's way of signaling that something is wrong. I have a feeling DBT is probably referring to physical pain, but like Kate also emphasized, we all experience pain in some form in our lives, whether it's emotional or physical, we go through hard things. Um, 
And I don't know, I guess I struggle a little bit with that. It is nature's way of signaling that something is wrong. I struggle with that a little bit, but I definitely agree with the first part of pain can't be avoided. <laughs> like it's, it's going to show up. It's part of being human. It's part of living that we experience hardships and challenges and pain at some point in our life. Um, so again, we can either get really upset about that and that's a natural reaction but then we can either stay in that upset or we can figure out what we're going to basically do about the pain and how we want to handle it um number four i also really like rejecting reality turns pain into suffering um and there is an expression around this that i can't ever remember i don't know if you know the expression around it oh, pain. oh. Do you like, know, pain, i think you know what i'm talking is about unavoidable suffering is optional Yes. Yeah. It's, it's that one. Yeah. The basically like, and again, it ties in really nicely to the third one. A pain can't be avoided. Um, when we choose to, yeah, reject reality, then we're choosing to just kind of sit in that pain. And again, it's important to, as we've talked about, I think many times on the podcast now, feel our feelings, give ourselves time and space to grieve, all of that. Radical acceptance is not something that's going to happen overnight. It just doesn't. <laughs> it takes time to come to terms with the pain. Um, and also that when we do come to terms with it, then it leads us out of suffering. That's the hope. The fifth reason is refusing to accept reality. <laughs> Pretty much what I said. Refusing to accept reality can keep you stuck in unhappiness, bitterness, anger, sadness, shame, or other painful emotions. I don't know if I have much more to say about that. We've kind of touched on it already. <laughs> um, number six. Acceptance may lead to sadness, but deep calmness usually follows. I'll put a caveat on that. Deep calmness may follow far later <laughs> um because like for my situation even when i had made that decision to okay i can't pursue dance anymore and yes i felt sad about that and i had grief around that and it wasn't also like as soon as i made the decision oh okay i'm gonna go to college and i'm gonna become a therapist that that brought me deep calmness it didn't it didn't right away i i felt for a long time and i'll be honest with you even though i love being a therapist there are still times where i go to the ballet or whatever it is and sometimes i still feel like oh that was still the like the first thing i really wanted like if you were to still put it side by side for me and if i had a perfectly good body that could dance and if a ballet company was willing to hire me and if I hadn't lost all of my technique or all of that <laughs> and if you said Michelle what do you want to do do you want to be a therapist or do you want to be a dancer I'd still probably pick dance it's just it's my first love it was so a core piece of who I was for so many years that it took a long time for deep calmness to follow for me um, maybe not for everyone but I don't think it really followed until I mean, I don't even know if there was a particular moment, but I actually really, I think, had to get into grad school and truly love what I was doing in grad school for me to be like, yeah, this really was a good choice. That was years after I stopped dancing that that deep calmness came. So don't be alarmed if it doesn't come right away. Um, <laughs> it may take a long time. <laughs> um, 
And the final reason is the path out of hell is through misery. By refusing to accept the misery that is part of climbing out of hell, you fall back into hell. I don't think I phrased that quite no, right. No, you paused in a weird place. Yeah, I did. I was trying to comprehend it. By refusing to accept the misery that is part of climbing out of hell, you fall back into hell. So I, I think basically what that one is saying is that like... Eh, it, it's go, it's gonna suck. <laughs> like it's go it's going to suck. And I don't know, Kate. I don't want to speak too much to your story because it's yours. Um, but I also imagine that like sometimes when you think about those other options available to you, of like adoption or fostering or surrogacy or you know whatever it is, of like okay, I can still become a mom. It's just gonna look a little different. That I don't know. Maybe it feels miserable sometimes thinking of those other options and yet it's like a worse misery to not look at them at the same time like yeah, it's a worse misery all your options to try and stick with the one that isn't mm-hmm yeah I yeah that makes sense mm-hmm yeah so it's like yeah I mean I feel like in a way it's like you know to climb out of hell as as dbt puts it it's it's gonna be be miserable <laughs> to probably think about at times of like you know what are these other options available to me because they may not feel good like <laughs> they may be really challenging or difficult to look at you may not like looking at them and also if you don't you're gonna fall back to where you were i think is what it's getting at yeah, a little bit no, it's like not it's like refusing to see the door you can't get out right if you yeah. if you refuse to go through misery you can't leave the hell that you're in yeah, exactly. It's part of the process. So. Also, while you were talking, since I have the advantage of being able to have, I don't know, a computer since that's what I'm talking to you through, <laughs> um, I was looking up the like the difference between the pain and the suffering, because I was trying to remember the quote. I didn't find the quote, but I did like this idea that the difference between pain and suffering is that, well, pain is pain, right? That's We mm -hmm. all know what pain is, but suffering is basically pain, but with an added layer of like misery and distress and judgment. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So, like, pain is pain. Suffering comes more when we think this pain isn't supposed to be. Mm -hmm. This isn't how it's supposed to be. Right? This isn't... This I shouldn't be going through this. Right? That kind of stuff is what adds suffering or creates suffering out of pain. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really true. And, like, thinking back to my story, like, when I did try to dance after my first hip surgery, mm -hmm. like, looking back at that time... I was in some ways happy to be dancing, but I was also miserable for like that whole year or two that every time I was in class because I wanted my pain to be gone. And it was still there um, after my first hip surgery. Like it solved part of the problem, but not all of it basically. And I was re-injuring it every time I danced, <laughs> unbeknownst to me until a couple years later when I had my second surgery. But yeah, I actually, I was pretty miserable. I, I didn't enjoy dance as much. And it is probably because I kept wishing that I was able to dance the way I used to. And refusing to accept that it was going to be different now. Something like suffering is the mismatch between reality and our vision. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think that's very our accurate. Expectation, right? Mm -hmm. Like our expectation and reality and any, when those conflict, we have suffering. Yep. Um, when we can bring our expectation in line with reality, we in large part help reduce or eliminate suffering. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, cool. 
do you have anything else to add to the seven reasons for why we should do why we should do radical acceptance? I don't know why. Because what else are you gonna do? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually think they do a pretty good job of okay, summary summering. New word there. Summarizing. Um, and I think you did a good job of explaining it. So no. Thanks. Cool. Alright. So now, how? How even, Kate and Michelle? How even to do? Um, so, we're gonna, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't be DBT if there weren't a bullet-pointed list. Um, <laughs> right. True story. Um, I see. I am radically accepting the number of bullet-pointed lists. Um, DBT right now. No, I'm joking. Uh, mostly. <laughs> Alright, so practicing radical acceptance step by step. Observe that you are questioning or fighting reality. Um, and it has in a little bracket in quotes, it shouldn't be this way. That is actually pretty good. Should and shouldn't are often, I mean, other than being some of my least favorite words in the English language, um, good indicators of us fighting instead of accepting reality. Right? That's not how it's supposed to be. That's not the way we can, you can look for it. Um, or I wish it weren't this way can sometimes be a thing. Right? So just look at some of the, like, look, you know, look at yourself. Kind of have an understanding of what your vocabulary around this might be. Um, and kind of keep an eye out for it. How do you talk to yourself when you're fighting reality? Uh, next one. Remind yourself that the unpleasant reality is just as it is and cannot be changed. So this is what happens. Um, I think actually this ties really well in with check the facts. Um, right? What do I actually know? <laughs> um, and sometimes that can be about like recognizing limitations on what you know, right? A lot of time in check the facts, that's what that question is supposed to emphasize. But in radical acceptance, you can use it in a kind of different fashion. Like, what do I actually know? Well, that kind of forces you to look at what you know. Like, for instance, I know that my ovaries aren't making eggs, they're not doing it. There's nothing like I know that I do. If I like, if I have to ask myself, what do I actually know? Well, I actually know that. Um, so I don't know. I like that. I hadn't thought about that until just now. But that can be kind of a dual purpose for what do I actually know? One is to show you the limitations when you are perhaps overreaching what you know mm -hmm. <laughs> and making assumptions, and the other one can be when you are refusing to look at what you know <laughs> and maybe need a reminder. Uh, next, remind yourself that there are causes for the reality. Acknowledge that some sort of history led up to this moment. Uh, consider how people's lives have been shaped by a series of factors. Notice that, the, notice that given these causal factors and how history led up to this moment, this reality had to occur just this way. Um, so this is how things happened. Um, I think about that, I don't know, uh, one of the ways I try and reassure clients, I don't know if you ever do this, Michelle, but I tell people that they are the inevitable conclusion of their life up until this moment. Um, right? People are like, I should have started taking therapy earlier, or I should have wised up about my unhealthy relationship sooner, or I should have. I'm like, you, you are a causal, you are, you are part of a causal chain as well, human being. <laughs> like, you were doing the best you could, and, you know, history led to this moment. You are the inevitable conclusion of all that has come before you, um, or all that has happened in your life up to this moment. So I think that's kind of what this one's reminding you of. Like, this reality didn't poof, you know. I don't know, magically spontaneously come into existence. Um, it is, you know, the, the end product of a series of events. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
Practice accepting it with the whole self, mind, body, and spirit. Be creative in finding ways to involve your whole self. Use accepting self-talk, but also consider using relaxation, mindfulness of breath, half-smiling and willing hands while thinking about what feels unacceptable, prayer, going to a place that helps you helps bring you to acceptance or imagery. Um, a lot um, of improve. <laughs> yeah, it is, actually. Yeah. I was looking at that, I'm like, we just talked about this. Use your improve skills, everyone. Could help you get there. Improve skills, use your mindfulness skills, yep. right? Um, basically, I, I like this, because I do think body is kind of neglected in this a lot of the times. So, I do think it's nice to, like, pair your acceptance maybe with relaxation techniques and breathing techniques, because oftentimes, even if we're not, well, not consciously, mentally or emotionally fighting a truth, we might notice that our bodies are still fighting it by doing things like getting tense um, or changing breathing patterns or other things that indicate that your body is fighting even if you're not, um, if that makes sense. So yeah, bring your whole self on board, find things that help you really sink into your knowing, I guess is what I would say, find ways to do that. Um, practice opposite action. List all the behaviors you would do if you did accept the facts. Then act as if you have already accepted the facts. Engage in the behaviors that you would do if you really had accepted. So it's a little fake it till you make it. E. Um, like, I don't know, for me, that might have looked at even if I hadn't accepted it, maybe I could start researching what are the costs of adoption or, you know, what do the foster to adopt programs here in my state look like? And because those are things I would do if I had accepted the fact that I am sterile. Uh, right, so, you know, engaging in those behaviors and kind of moving forward with your acceptance, even if your acceptance hasn't fully come to fruition yet. Um, cope ahead with events that seem unacceptable. Imagine, in your mind's eye, believing what you don't want to accept. Rehearse in your mind what you would do if you accepted what seems unacceptable. This, I don't know why, that feels a little bit backwards to have that one after the first one. Uh, but I think they go really well together, right? One is to be behaving externally as though you have already come to a place of acceptance. And this next one is basically acting internally as though you have already come to a place of acceptance, right? What would you say? What would you think? How would you feel? Sort of practicing the internal states that come with acceptance. Uh, sort of like the one before that is practicing the external states or decisions. Um, attend to body sensations as you think about what you need to accept. That kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier about muscle tension or pain or breathing changes or heart rate changes or things like that. So kind of notice how your body responds. Oh, pardon. Ah, sorry. Uh, happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so attend to your body. How's your body? How's your body feeling about this stuff? No matter how your feelings are going. Um, allow disappointment, sadness, or grief to arise within you. That one's super um, important, I feel like. I know. I feel like that's so <laughs> late. Yeah. Could that be like first or second? Maybe yeah. Like and none of these things, I think, need well, to be. Third. I'm moving that up you're to third. You're moving it up to third? I'm moving it up to third. Yeah, because there's like, our, you know, observe that you're fighting reality. You know, you can't practice yeah. that. It looks like you don't notice that you're not. So notice that you're not. Uh, remind yourself that reality is what it is. That's also important. And I think now we're just going to move that allow disappointment, sadness, or grief to rise within you up into the third slot. I was going to say, when I post this in the Facebook group, maybe I'll retype them in the order that we like them. Right? Because that makes so much more sense. Yeah. Because you're going to, because I don't know, well, I guess what I should say, uh, or want to say, is that that's going to happen. Oh, Yeah whether you write it early on. Kate and I, I think probably, again, speak, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Kate, but 
I still feel a lot of disappointment, sadness, and grief at times that oh, I can't dance anymore. And I'm sure you feel that about, you know, not being able to conceive a child naturally. Yes, and, and that, that may mean I never get them. I have this huge freaking collection mm -hmm. of children's books that I've acquired over the years for my future children. Every time mm -hmm. I see them, I have, you know, whatever the internal sensation of wah, wah, wah mm -hmm. is. And so, no, all the time. All the time. It's still there. I, yeah, oh, man. Does this say it? Or do we have to say it at some point? I don't think it's said anywhere on here. Radical Practicing radical acceptance doesn't stop necessarily. Oh, yeah. It's ongoing. This is not a one-time yeah. skill. <laughs> Sometimes it can be. I, get, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, can't, I hadn't tried to think of an example, so I don't have one off the top of my head. But for me, I have to continue to radically accept the fact that I'm sterile. Like, it comes up often, and I have to go through miniature versions of that process repeatedly like it doesn't necessarily go away um think about things like people with chronic illnesses right uh radical acceptance is an ongoing process um things like that right there are some things that maybe are a one and done i don't know mm -hmm. uh i don't know this isn't really it the first thing that came to mind is like my fiance left me like you're probably gonna be sad about that fiance leaving you for a really long time but it's like a singular act like mm -hmm. a thing happened and you have to accept that that thing happened and now you can kind of like ideally move on find another partner look for those same warnings you know whatever you can learn and move on and do new things um other things are ongoing states mm -hmm. uh, and have to be continually radically accepted and oddly i don't see that on here yet maybe we just missed a bit anyway so that's not on the how to radically accept step by step <laughs> but kate has added it because i think it's important um so right so allow disappointment sadness and grief to rise with you whenever the hell it does because it's gonna a lot often in many places all over the place also other feelings i guess i should just i, I would like to just say allow disappointment sadness grief or any other feelings you have yep <laughs> to arise within you it doesn't even mention anger jimmy christmas Maybe it incorporates that it was grief. I don't know. But yes, there could be lots of other things that you may feel. <laughs> but also, I have a hard time imagining anger not being one of them most of the time. But, um, so, uh, have your feelings, because they're going to happen, so you might as well be on board and, and part of the process rather than not. Uh, and then acknowledge that life <clears throat> is worth living even when there is pain, um, as we were talking about way earlier. Uh, and do pros and cons if you find yourself resisting practicing acceptance. That's coming in a couple weeks. Yes. DBT yeah, pros and cons. Super, super formal pros and cons. Yes, yeah, super formal. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything to add to that, Michelle? I mean, I feel like it gives lots of different ways to explore this. I think maybe it's also really important to mention that even though some of these things you may need to do first, second, third, etc. So we're going to try to order them in a way that makes sense. <laughs> um, you know, give yourself lots of time with any one of these, right? I think about the very first one on the list of observe that you're questioning or finding reality. You may hang out there for a long time. That's okay. There is no kind of time limit on any of this. This isn't going to be like some other skills that we've talked about. Like, for example, I think about stop, right? Stop, one, two, three, four. You do the steps very quickly, bam, you're done. Radical acceptance is not that way. <laughs> Radical acceptance can take days and weeks and months and years and can go in 
a circular kind of pattern where you come back to certain points again and again and again. So I really encourage you, even though I like this list that DBT has put together of ways to practice radical acceptance and how to actually do it, I think it's also really important to acknowledge like to not pressure yourself into making this like a literal checklist. Like, okay, and then I did an opposite action worksheet. Check. And then I, you know, did a cope ahead meditation. Check. Like, don't try to rush this, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, these are all great ideas and also do them in your own time, in your own way, and be really ultra extra patient with yourself. <laughs> yeah, super kind. Yeah, yep. Cool. All right. I think that's, that's, that's us. Yeah. That's that's the what thing. we're going to do. Um, the that's the stuff. So for homework, um, again, because radical acceptance is not this instant skill, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, for homework, I, you know, I would really encourage you guys to think about a time when you have done radical acceptance. Like Kate and I told our radical acceptance stories. There are each more stories from our lives that, you know, we could tell you probably have one or two times that when you think back of like oh I didn't know that term radical acceptance <laughs> and that's what I did anyways like I I was able to reach a point where I felt that and to reflect back on times in your life when you have done radical acceptance I think I will probably put um like a post in the Facebook group encouraging people to share their radical acceptance stories if you feel comfortable doing so because um, I feel like that can be really helpful to hear how other people have gotten to this place. Um, and also, if you do have something in your life that maybe you're currently struggling to radically accept. Um, I, I have things in my current life that I'm struggling to radically accept. Like, <laughs> it comes up, right? Um, think about what that something is that you might be struggling with and pick, you know, one of those things from the list that Kate just went over to start with and again to be really patient with yourself um but to yeah start trying this out with something in your life if you have a situation that's applicable um and so normally this is where i'd be like and email us and i'm gonna get there um but actually kate and i have lots of things to talk about today um awkward self-promotion time that's right it is awkward self-promotion time ditty. we need a little jingle for the awkward self-promotion moment yeah exactly it's weird because i don't know and kate maybe you can tell me what you think after i share my thoughts a little bit like i don't know when kate and i made the decision to start a podcast i think sometimes people go into podcasting and they're like i want to eventually make my living podcasting and lots of people do that and that's great and that's fantastic and for both kate and i i don't think at any point we were like we're never gonna see clients again dbt and me is gonna be our main source of income and no like we wanted to do this because i mean we really are passionate about dbt we wanted to make it accessible and we, like honestly this is fun for us like we we like podcasting we like doing it so it feels really strange to ask for money <laughs> like i'm just gonna say it feels weird it feels weird to be like so donate to our patreon like it just it feels <laughs> weird which is why it, it is money to talk for talking to you from our closet right <laughs> like it, it feels funny and at the same time like this does take up a lot of our time and energy to make the podcast, to be active in the Facebook group, 
this is something that we do devote a lot of time and energy to and so even if it feels weird and awkward for us to promote ourselves you know we haven't mentioned our patreon since episode two and i like intentionally kind of like hid it away on our facebook group it's really hard to find like the link is there but people aren't going to find it because it does feel weird to ask people to support us in a monetary fashion and also if you would like to we would love that um and we realize that it's time now that we're however many episodes and we've done over 20 episodes like it's about time that we're like hey we're we are we're doing this we've been doing this we're we're doing a pretty good job at like building our listeners up and hey we're gonna self-promote so if you want to donate to our patreon the link to do that is www.patreon.com slash dbt and me so that's a forward slash and patreon is spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n so patreon.com slash dbt and me if you want to donate to our patreon and we also did a really cool thing which i'm honestly more excited to talk about which is we made an etsy shop <laughs> which is so crazy i never thought i would ever have an etsy shop but we've realized that like there are certain dbt phrases or things that we say that it might be fun to put them on like mugs or shirts or socks or things of that nature and then that feels i feel like a little better in the sense of like hey yes you're paying us money but then you get this cool thing in return um and to be fully honest with the etsy shop because of like covid and stuff like that the company that we're working with to make products like we can't make shirts right now um so i didn't know that when we decided to start the etsy shop a couple weeks ago um i didn't know that was going to be a thing so we don't have shirts yet but we plan to so right now we have a couple mugs and we have a pair of socks <laughs> because that's the products that we could it's make small so far it's small more things and michelle yes. i don't know you can totally correct me if you think this is horrible but it occurred to me like you know not only have we listened to and recorded our episodes but ostensibly if anyone's hearing us talk about this they have also listened to our episodes so if people would like to drop us emails or comments on facebook or something to say this is a product idea like, oh yeah i'd love to have this on a mug or i'd love to have this on a pair of socks or yes whatever i think that'd be super fun i'd love to hear people's ideas and suggestions yeah Sometimes we'd love that that we've said or you know that you would like to see i think that'd be really fun yes we would love inspiration for what kinds of things you would like to see um as of right now what we have um so we have three different mugs <laughs> one says first coffee then wise mind hard to get into wise mind without coffee um second one is an orange mug that says this mug is not hideous because kate when talking about mindfulness talks a lot about how you know her orange judgment hideous. yeah that is that orange is hideous but hey if we're truly being mindful and we're truly being non-judgmental an orange mug is not hideous it's just orange it's orange and the third mug actually relates to radical acceptance from today and it says hold on i'm radically accepting this um so those are the mugs and then we made some socks that say i think these are my self-soothing socks yep. from yeah, a couple weeks ago right now that actually makes me really i really love that these are my self-soothing socks probably because i really like alliteration yeah <laughs> self-soothing socks yeah yes 
so those are the products that we have up right now um free shipping so that's a cool thing um so go on and check out our etsy shop so to do that i mean you can just log in to, i mean not log in just go to etsy.com and search for dbt and me all one word um but the exact link is etsy.com slash shop slash dbt and me um, but just go to Etsy and search for DBT and me and we should pop right up and then we have our our four products and counting on there <laughs> to start exploring. Maybe even by the time we post this episode we'll have more. We'll have to see. Um, and the other thing too that we have not really talked about and now feels like the right time to also start talking about it is even though our listeners have been growing and that's super exciting to see, one of the biggest ways that does not involve spending any money, if you're like, Kate Michelle, I'd love to buy your mugs on Etsy, but I don't have the funds to do so, is to just like, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts, to give us a rating or to write a review about what you are thinking about the podcast like we love getting feedback from you guys when you're like hey we love the podcast i mean that just i don't have words it warms our hearts it makes us so happy to hear that from you guys and also when you write a formal review and just take a minute to do that it helps boost us in the podcast realm so that our podcast is more easily searchable people can find it or they may find it and be like oh this looks like a more credible podcast because i see they have a lot of ratings or a lot of reviews so that's just a small way that helps get the word out more so that if someone stumbles upon the podcast they be they might be more likely to listen because of something that you wrote and that's pretty cool um and there's certain platforms like spotify you can't write reviews so whatever platform you listen on just double check and see if there's a way to again give us a rating yeah rate a review um because that would be really cool also so that's a big chunk of shameless (laughs) self-promotion um ending with email us at dbtmepodcast at (laughs) gmail.com the usual bit we say um so yeah we're gonna start mentioning this stuff awkward moment of shameless self-promotion for today's episode right exactly and um it will be reminding you guys um it's something that we're just gonna start incorporating and that's something for kate and i to get past of like for us to recognize like you know what we have a good podcast going let's actually name that it's good and let's actually you know ask for support in this way and we appreciate you guys supporting in any way that you can it moment of self-growth for us too yes yeah because we were both on the same page we're like this feels weird and we're like let's do it like now's now's the time to talk about it we've been doing this long enough so consider donating to our patreon buying something on our etsy shop or giving us a rating or a review on apple podcasts or other platforms where you listen if you can okay i am done with talking all about that it's closing moment time i'm so ready for a closing moment i know you need to like breathe yes exactly (laughs) my throat's getting all dry it's time to stop talking okay all right closing moment time everybody so as per usual we're just gonna start by getting comfy (sighs) wherever you are sitting standing laying down just try and get into a posture or a position that feels comfortable. Feels like something you can maintain and kind of relax into. And as always, if you're safe and feel comfortable doing so, I invite you to go ahead and close your eyes. As always, we are going to begin by just noticing our breath. 
just going to take a moment to appreciate our breathing. Where we feel it the most, where we notice it in our bodies. And just let it invite us into our bodies and into the present moment. No need to breathe any more slowly or any more deeply than you do naturally. I'm just tuning in. Just coming into the moment and being with ourselves. Once we're settled in and we've noticed our breath, I want you to bring to mind a situation that you are struggling with right now. Something in your life that when you think about, maybe you notice those phrases, this shouldn't be this way. I wish this weren't this way. This isn't how this was supposed to turn out. And just really sink into this situation for a moment. Notice the thoughts that come up. Notice the emotions that come up for you. Notice what, if any, physical sensations come up on your radar when you really consider the thing that is going on in your life. And as you are bringing that into your focus, into your mind, into your reality right now, I want you to remember this thing. You are already surviving this reality. However much it hurts you, however much it has disappointed you, however much you wish it simply were another way, you are already surviving it. Reality is what it is, and you are making it through. However much you are fighting it, however much you are denying it, however much you are pretending that it is or will be different, none of that is contributing to your survival right now. Because it doesn't change what reality is. There is this sense that if we accept something for what it is, that it will overwhelm us, it will overpower us, and we will not be able to survive. And I just want to remind and reassure you that you are already surviving it. And since that's the case, I hope that helps to open the door for you into accepting it. Once you can recognize that you are already making it through this terrible, painful, frightening reality, I hope you can accept it and use that acceptance as the door into either just praising yourself for your surviving and learning how to thrive, or maybe also using your acceptance as a pathway into making necessary changes. Once you accept that this relationship is terrible for you, that acceptance may lead to you being able to get out and make a change. You know, once you realize that you have had this loss, 
you accept it, and you recognize you are already surviving it, you may be able to move towards moving forward into something new. So just sit with that for a moment. Sit with the realization that whatever this terrible thing is, you have already gone through the worst thing, which is surviving it happening. And now you get to move through a process of acceptance and potentially change. Now, allow that situation to fade from your mind for a moment. You may also bring yourself back into your body more obviously today. Really do take advantage of this moment to stretch, to rotate your wrists or ankles or neck. Everything that helps you let go of that particular situation bring you back out of that and into this current moment. Maybe a couple of slow deep breaths, whatever feels good and necessary, that helps you come back. And whenever you feel ready, you can go ahead and open your eyes. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, everyone. To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and Me Podcast.